0: Hey everyone, welcome back to a new video. My voice is not quite there, but we are getting there. I hope you enjoy this video, and I'm going to do my best to try and start recording tomorrow, so I guess we'll see. As always, if you have a story of your own that you might want to share, be sure to send it at southerncannibal.com. And without further ado, let's get into the stories. And remember, to always stay hungry to begin for some context i'm a 23 year old male who was 22 at the time of this story it is quite lengthy so apologies in advance so the incident in this story happened to me in late 2021 i want to place it in early december but it could have easily been late November. All that matters is that it was dark and about four o'clock in the morning. So I worked the late night shift at my local grocery store every night, beginning at 9 p.m. to 3.30 a.m., or sometimes even 4 a.m., depending on how much had to be done. On this particular night, we got to leave early. So as usual, I gathered up my things, put on my high-visibility jacket for the walk home along the dark country roads, and left. I stopped at a local gas station for a cup of coffee to keep me somewhat awake and alert for the walk, which usually took about half an hour. My job is about two miles from my home, and only the first mile or so is lit with street lamps. The rest is complete darkness, except for one solitary light outside the local cattle market. This is important, so i'm walking along the road no music or anything playing as i wanted to be super aware of everything going on around me and i knew i could be vulnerable walking alone at that hour in such a quiet place i get to the part of the road where the streetlights stop and walk along you know just another uneventful paranoia filled walk home alone or so i thought a car then sped by me and up the road I caught the make and license plate as it drove by. It was a 2004 Toyota Camry. I noticed as it sped up the road that the lights seemed turned off. I found this strange and decided to take off my jacket to be less visible. When I got further up the road to where I could then see the cattle market light without being visible, I could see the Camry parked just out of the light on the side of the road with all the lights off. And I saw two large looking figures standing behind it. I froze. I don't think I've ever been as panicked in my life. It was too coincidental for me. There was no reason for them to be there. That market only occurs once a month on a Saturday afternoon, and it was 4 a.m. on a weeknight. My mind sprung to them wanting to kidnap or rob me or something. I crossed to their side of the road still far back enough to be out of view, and I crouched behind a tree. I decided to walk back the way I'd come and to the relative safety of a lit-up area and review my plan further. I made it back when I then heard a car approaching. I took on my phone, and I pretended to be on a call. My heart sank when the Camry sped by. My faint phone call must have spooked them, though, because that was the last time I saw their car. My parents were asleep at home, and for some reason, I thought it would be silly to call and wake them up. I'd send my girlfriend at the time video and voice messages explaining the situation, to which she then called me to make sure I was okay, and she told me she'd stay on the phone with me until I made it home. I told her I was fine, and proceeded to take the longer way home, which was about a mile further than the other way, but it was lit up far better. I made it home and I actually got in huge trouble for not calling once I explained what happened. I fell into bed around 6.30am and I even had a nightmare about what had happened if I had stayed walking up that road. I'm very thankful my instincts kicked in that night and told me to stay quiet, hidden, as well as to leave, instead of keep walking and hope everything would be okay. I'm really glad I trusted those instincts. So, this happened when I was 10 years old. For some context, I was a female, and I was living in a really small town with around 100 people only. And it was 2005. I lived on a small farm out in the country, and a half a mile away was a playground. Now, this was an old unkempt playground, so I guess I shouldn't have been there at all. It was midday, and I was on the swing just having fun all by myself. Suddenly I saw two guys walking towards me. I knew they were around 18 years old and they really had a reputation for being troublemakers. Anyways, I kept swinging and they then walked up to me without saying anything. They took something out of their jacket and I then saw them light something on fire and then a second later I heard a loud boom I finally understood what it was. They were throwing fireworks at me while I was swinging. I cried and I begged for them to stop, but they just kept setting fireworks on fire and throwing them at me. So I just kept swinging hard and trying not to be hit. I started screaming and crying. Meanwhile back at the farm, my dad was outside and he had heard me screaming. So he ran as fast as he could to get to me. Now my dad is a big guy and he's tall and strong, and I had never seen him look so angry before when he then saw what they were doing. The guys saw him, and they started to run. My dad asked if I was hurt, but I said no. He told me to run home, and he then took off running after them. Later on, I found that my dad had actually ran after them for like 30 minutes until they fell to the ground, begging him not to hurt them. He beat the crap out of them, and they never looked at me or talked to me again, and all the bullies I had stopped bullying me after that day. The police were never involved in this, but the whole town knew what happened. I'm guessing I was about seven to nine years old at the time this occurred. I was in a big box bulk shopping store running amok as usual. Back in the mid-1990s, it was still relatively acceptable to have your children wander around without parental guidance. My parents would often let my older brother and I all on our own to venture through the local mall or through any big box store. Times have obviously changed since then. At this time, I remember spotting a piano display towards the front of the building just before the cash registers. As curious and as young as I was, I situated myself onto the piano bench and began tapping on some keys. Soon after, I had noticed an unusual couple approaching me, a presumably mentally disabled man with an older woman, perhaps his mother or caretaker. The man began to start making a scene, yelling at me to get down from the display. Eventually, an employee comes to check on the situation and approaches me. She asked me to get down and to join my parents, but to my horror, She's not referring to my actual parents. She's referring to this strange man and his female counterpart. I remember telling the employee that they were in fact not my parents. She asked me to confirm if this is true and I say yes. But before she can continue her banner with me, I then sprint off and I eventually find my actual parents a few aisles past the spot where all of these events transpired. I've yet to mention any of this to my parents to this present day, but the memory is in fact clear to this day. The strange couple were convincing the store employees that I was their child, and needed assistance to get me to them before leaving the store. I'm 32 years old now, and this has haunted me so much since then. For whatever reason, it has stuck out to me as a fork in the road that I could have easily taken the wrong route. To think if I had complied with their demands at my young age, where would I even be today? Or even worse, if I'd even be around today. To this day, I still really believe that I saved my little sister from an attempted kidnapping. It was a Friday night, and we were grocery shopping at Walmart for some food because our fridge was pretty cleaned out. Keep in mind, we were about 30 minutes away from our home, so we weren't really familiar with the Walmart we were shopping from. I was a 13-year-old girl who was very skinny, and I couldn't even defend myself if I tried. My little sister was 10. After we were done looking for what we needed, we were looking for a checkout lane. As I said, we weren't too familiar with this Walmart, so it took us a while to find one. I was pushing the cart with my sister beside me, and my mom and dad were at the front of the cart. Now, the Walmart was close to closing, so we were in a bit of a rush. As I was walking, I felt someone behind me. I don't know how to explain it, but I just felt someone very close to me. They were so close behind me, in fact, that I could feel them right up against me. As I was still pushing the cart, I looked behind me, and I saw a very tall man. He looked middle age, had gray-slash-white hair, and he had to be over six foot, and he was wearing a black leather jacket. That's all I remember. Again, my parents had their backs turned to the front of the cart, so they had no idea this man was behind me like this. My little sister also had no idea, which I found surprising because she was right beside me. As we were walking, I kid you not, I saw his hand reach for my sister and I think grabbed my sister's arm and I pushed her away. I had so many questions. Why was he so close behind me? Why was he following us for so long? And why was he trying to grab my sister? I was terrified. As I pushed her away, she yelled at me to stop. I'm not going to lie, I did get a little pissed off with her. I don't know why everyone was so unaware of what the fuck was going on. We finally found a checkout lane, and you guessed it, he followed us there too. Now what I found so bizarre was that he didn't even have anything in his hands. He also had someone else with him, which I also found weird, because when he was walking so close behind me, he wasn't with anyone else before, and also, why was he at a checkout lane if he didn't have anything to purchase? There were just so many red flags. My dad even tried making small talk with the guy, as he was always a friendly guy like that. I guess the man seemed like a nice guy to them, but I knew deep down that he was a freak. My dad had asked him what he was doing, and the man literally just said in these exact words, I'm just watching her bag up the groceries. Which, I mean, he wasn't lying. He was literally just standing there staring at my sister put the bags in the cart. After we were done and heading our way into our car, I told my parents what happened and how he tried grabbing my sister. Well, they didn't believe me and they even yelled at me to shut up and stop making things up. What pissed me off the most about this situation wasn't just the creepy guy, but just how oblivious and unaware everyone was. This just goes to show to always be aware of your surroundings and to always keep an eye on your kids when in public. It still sickens me what could have happened if I wasn't there to push my sister out of the way. If you haven't finished your holiday shopping yet, don't panic. We've got a secret source for incredible original gifts, and that's Uncommon Goods. UncommonGoods.com has the absolute best gifts for everyone in your life. We're talking moms, dads, teens, in-laws, besties. You're one and only. And it's not stuff you can find just anywhere. Uncommon Goods has unique and creative gifts, often handmade by independent artists and makers. So skip the gifts that scream last minute and find something truly original at UncommonGoods.com. One of my favorite things personally are coffee mugs. And as you can see, they have so many different ones to choose from. Uncommon Goods looks for products that are high quality, unique, and often handmade or made in the US. They have the most meaningful out of the ordinary gifts anywhere. To get 15% off your next gift, go to uncommongoods.com/cannibal That's uncommongoods.com slash cannibal for 15% off. Don't miss out on this limited time offer. Uncommon Goods. We're out of the ordinary. I live in a large East Coast city. On August 31st of this year, as I was returning back to my condo complex, I saw two large men sitting on the steps of the front porch with a young girl stuck in between them. Not recognizing them, I asked if they were residents. I thought they were visitors, perhaps. They copped an attitude with me, getting really hostile and belligerent. I was pretty sure this meant they were trespassing. It was clear to me that they had no business on our property, period. I snapped a cell phone photo of them, and the girl immediately covered her face. When I called the cops, they then got up and threatened me. While I was on the phone with the dispatcher, a car had pulled up and the occupants glared at me, saying that I was way out of line here and they then warned me to mind my business. As the police were about to be summoned, the little girl left, walking across the street and then telling me thank you. And meanwhile, the car took off. The two big guys also left but they went in a completely opposite direction from the girl. So, I then told the dispatcher that everyone was gone now. The girl appeared to be from 10 to 12 years old, possibly 13 at most. It was quite obvious that she was not with those men by choice. After I had time to think this whole thing through, it had really dawned on me on what actually had happened. I later found out that the adults were drug users. In fact, another group of trespassers were using drugs on the adjacent porch. It appeared that in hindsight, the car which showed up was intended to pick up the little girl, which is why its two occupants were so hostile to me. Apparently this whole incident was some kind of scheme to kidnap a child, sell her to traffickers, and then use the money to buy drugs. Later on, those same two thugs saw me on the sidewalk nearby and they actually threatened to kill me. Sometime a few weeks later, a man had buzzed me in our building's call box. He said that he was locked out of his unit, and he asked if I could let him in the building. I asked him for the unit number, but all he told me was second floor. Which unit? I inquired. All the way down to the end, he said. He wouldn't give me his name. Knowing the residents of the second floor, I could tell he wasn't one of them so I refused to let him in. To this day, I still don't know who he was, but I have a pretty good idea. I have a feeling he's one of those thugs. Even now to this day, the story is still so incredibly disturbing to me. My name is Claire. The story involved me, my sister Chloe, and my friend Michaela. This happened on a summer day in mid-August. It wasn't the warmest day, but we didn't let that stop us from going on another adventure. Chloe was able to drive since she was 18, and Michaela and I both were around 15 at this time. Before I get into the story, let me give you some background information. We live in a town where there's really nothing to do, and all of the cool places are surrounded by druggies or drunks who live in tents around there. So, if we ever wanted to go exploring or find cool places, we had to go out of town or even to a different place around us. I hope that's enough background information for the story that I'm about to tell. As I said in the beginning, this day wasn't the warmest, so I was wearing an oversized black hoodie with a gray pair of sweatpants and rocking socks with sandals. Chloe and Michaela were wearing similar things to me since we're in the car for most of the story. This will come into play a little later, and you'll see why. We go on a drive, and we had headed out of town, jamming out to different songs along the ride. After about an hour of driving, we had reached the train tracks that are behind thick trees and bushes. We went exploring and walking along the train tracks, just kind of exploring and looking at different things. About 45 minutes later, we decided to make our way back to the creek. We hop in the car and we then hit the road for another 5 minute ride. After we arrive, there are two cars in the parking lot. One lime green pickup truck that blinds you when it reflects off the sun, and an old truck that could fall into pieces with just a knock to the door. So we parked further away from the other two parked cars, and then jumped out of the car and made our way towards the creek. I'd also like to add that this creek is not super popular, And only a few people know about it many people drive over it since it's under a bridge as we followed to the path under the bridge we had passed a couple that was sitting on the rocks soaking in the sunlight before it began to set we walked past them and we then made our way to this little patch of dirt that was surrounded by rocks and little patches of grass we sat on the rocks laughing about all of our other adventures we've been on And after about 30 minutes of just soaking in the sun with the sly cold breeze, our stomachs begin to growl. So we hop off the rocks and we walk up to a little hill that leads into the main road to cross to get back to our parked car. We check both ways before we then make a run across the road, even though there's not a car in sight other than the other two parked cars we saw earlier. Anyways, we bolt across the road and we run down the hill. Except Michaela's taking her time as she goes down the hill because it was really steep and it had that crumbly dirt to it. Chloe and I continue to run as a joke to get to the car before Michaela. It's like when you would want to get to the front seat before your siblings do, a stupid thing we all did. Eventually, we reach the car screaming as we run away from Michaela. We eventually reach the car and we all jump back into our seats. Before I go any further in the story, let me explain where we were all sitting. Chloe was in the driver's seat, I'm in the passenger front seat, and was sitting in the back behind the passenger seat. The car is facing fig trees and bushes with a little bit of dirt piled up in front of it. After all that running and screaming, we were all kind of sweating and trying to regain our breaths. Chloe's on her phone with the car off, and Michaela and I are just rolling down the windows to try and get some of that cold breeze back. Michaela's now sitting on her phone, and I'm looking out my window, and that's when I began to realize that there's a dark black, jacked-up truck parked behind us. The other cars that were parked before us were gone now, assuming they left a few minutes after we arrived, probably from our obnoxious laughs that had echoed throughout the creek. After I noticed the truck, I didn't really think much of it, thinking that someone else wants to enjoy the little bit of sun before winter rest. But as I'm mid-turning my head to reach for my phone, I heard a male voice speak from the truck. Hey! I jolt my head back towards the window, peering into the truck. I see a guy who looks like he's in his later 20s and he's wearing a black cap and he had blonde hair sticking out along the edges. My first thought was that he was in a phone call and was just beginning his conversation. So I turned my attention back to my phone and after like 30 seconds, the man repeats himself. Hey! I look out towards the truck again and I make eye contact with the guy after a second hey. Michaela is now also evaluating the situation. When I then made eye contact, he says these next eight words that then made the panic begin to start. Want to go on a drive with me? I kind of just sat there, not really sure if I heard him correctly. But he then said, come on, I don't bite. Those words sent a chill down my spine. Instead of answering, however, I turned my head and I began to pretend that I'm texting someone. When I grabbed my phone, The man then says in an annoyed, crabby voice, Fine, never mind then. That's when I tap Chloe's shoulder to see if she was hearing what this guy was saying. Chloe was still typing on her phone and answering all the text messages that she missed when we were down by the creek. I turned my head to the back seat to see if Michaela had heard the man. And when I look at Michaela, she's giving me that same look of, You're hearing him too, right? I then look back at Chloe once more, and that's when she also started to pick up on the situation. But before we could finish on communicating through the looks on our faces, the man again repeats himself. Um, hello? That's when Chloe leans over a bit, and then says, Oh, hi, sorry, we thought you were on a phone call. (laughs) In a nervous laughing kind of voice, the man responds back in a rude attitude, saying, Um, no, I'm talking to y'all. After the short conversation, Chloe starts the car and we're getting ready to leave. As we pull out of the parking lot, I can feel this man's eyes fixated on me. We pull out of the parking lot and we make a left turn to make our way back to town. As she's driving, Michaela and I are just keeping our eyes on the black truck just in case he followed us. Ten minutes had passed at this point, And we're all just discussing the intentions of what this guy wanted. And we eventually just kind of moved off the topic and just tried to forget the situation had even occurred. And although we really wanted to forget the situation, I still kept my eye on the rearview mirror just in case. And to our unfortunate luck, I then see two headlights gaining up to us at a rapid speed. I wanted to ignore it, and I was really just hoping that it was just some other person driving way over the speed limit, since we were out of town. But Chloe and Michaela had also realized the sky was gaining up to us at a really unsafe speed. So having no other option, Chloe steps on the gas and starts to look for a way for us to lose the Michaela Michaela's also watching the road quickly disappear as the sky is getting closer, and trying to fully confirm that this was the same guy from 20 minutes ago. And to no surprise, it was the same black truck with the same blond-haired man who we had just talked to moments earlier. Eventually, after about five minutes straight of this guy staying right near us, he must have let off the gas a bit because we were finally able to regain the space between the two of us. He didn't stop following us, but it seemed like he was starting to, except that he was not going to reach us. At this point, we're all just trying to keep ourselves together and trying to think of a fast plan. It's pitch black at this point, with barely any street lights. Like when you looked out the window, it was fields of nothing but pitch blackness. But this is when Chloe was able to realize that there happened to be a driveway coming up in a few feet. But we would have to stay at our speed and be able to turn up the driveway in just enough time for the truck not to see us. The driveway was around a slight curve that if you're going fast enough, the car behind you would be able to lose sight of your car for at least a few seconds. So with nothing to lose, Chloe gets right around the side corner, hits the brake slightly, and makes a turn into this driveway. Chloe then immediately turns off the car with all of the lights turning off with the turn of the key. We all just sat there silently praying that this truck wouldn't see us parked in this driveway. Suddenly, the black truck goes swooshing by us and not showing any signs of stopping. As soon as the truck was finally out of our sight, that's when the relief finally hit us that this weird-ass guy had not seen us get away. After a few minutes later, we eventually decide that it should be safe enough to head back to town. I'm really happy to say that we weren't stupid enough to get into this guy's truck, because I really, really never want to know what this guy's intentions were.